This NBA season, make every three-pointer, alley-oop, and buzzer beater even more exciting with FanDuel. You can bet on everything from first baskets and number of dunks to which player will drain the most threes. Or stack your bets with the same game parlay for a shot to win even bigger. It's quick, easy, and you'll get your winnings fast. So download the app today and see why we're North America's number one sportsbook. Make every moment more with FanDuel. 19 plus and physically located in Ontario. Gambling problem? Call 1-866-531-2600 or visit connectsontario.ca. Here's the scenario. You've been injured in a serious accident. The doctor says your recovery could take months, maybe even years, yet your insurance company is denying your claim every step of the way. If something like this happens to you, call me, Brian Goldfinger of Goldfinger Personal Injury Law. We have offices in Toronto, London, Peterborough, and now Kitchener-Waterloo. Visit goldfingerlaw.com and get us working for you. They go. That was pretty damn good. The Raptors, 117 to 98. They defeat the Oklahoma City Thunder, who are playing without uh, ascendant star Shea Gilgis Alexander, which is really too bad because he is one of the most fantastical players to watch in the league. But they handled their business. I don't have uh, blood pressure problems. I hope I never do, honestly. But uh, if they're, I don't know how else to describe this game as like low stress, would not spike your blood pressure. The Raptors faced an inferior opponent, and Pascal Siakam just kind of stomped. He he put his foot down the very beginning of the of the game, and the Raptors from that point on never really get never really let things get too hairy from that point. Whether it was like a Gary Trent Jr. three or a Fred Van Vliet Jr. three or a Scotty Barnes flash into the post and and a little push shot for an end one or something like that. When they were able to creep back within like, I don't know, five, six, seven, something like that, the Raptors had an answer. And that was the most refreshing part of this was the Raptors for some part of this year were just like the huge swing team. And that really started to normalize around January. And they weren't able to kick every aspect of that. We saw in the Pistons game, we saw in the Trailblazers game, we saw in the Wizards game. They ended up winning one of those, but... There's these huge, you know, ridiculous swings of points being traded between these teams. And the Raptors are on the wrong side of those swings. And because these games are close, they're on the right side of it. But they didn't worry about swings in this game. Sure, they gave up a 9-0 run. But it was after they built, like, an 18-point lead. That happens in basketball, of course. But the Raptors, I just they came together, beat an inferior team, did it in a very aesthetically pleasing way. They played quality defense. They they pushed out the shell of their defense. They made the Thunder shoot a lot of threes. When there was penetration, they rotated over well. And on offense, they tuned into the stylings of Pascal Siakam. Yeah. He had 27, 16, and 5. And he shot 77% from the four. And he didn't take a free throw. Yeah. <laughs> I don't people who listen to this podcast. And people who pay attention to my writing actually probably should recognize that as far as cataloging and doing analysis of Pascal's game, there's probably not somebody who's done it, you know, more in depth than I have over the past however many years. And I got to tell you, 
I am running out of words because he really, this, he made this look really easy. And 27, 16, and 5 on 77% shooting should never look easy at the NBA level. But he was just cascading across the court, grabbing boards, getting to the bucket, making passes, manipulating the defense, drawing doubles, passing out, drawing a double, gape dribble, re-engage, bucket, or even just shooting over a double because he felt like it right in the middle of the court. Like that little, I think it was a 13-foot fader that he hit with two guys on him. He didn't care. He's in the zone. He's in the flow. And while he doesn't, he isn't the flow like Fred Van Vliet attributed to Gary Trent Jr., um, being in it is just as good for my money. He was he was fantastic. The third quarter was basically, he was just chilling out. And the Raptors went to other means, other looks, and they still kept pace. Fourth quarter, he came in and just made sure that like, okay, we're winning this game by a lot. And he got to a place where the numbers are insane, but the overall court control, the command for the offense, and the ability to change and manipulate the defense. On the Raptors roster, you know, actually on most rosters in the NBA, is unparalleled. He's reached the point... Like, this is almost basketball. As somebody who was sitting here, you know, <laughs> saying, hey, fan base, Pascal is still really good. Like, it's going to come around. Forget the trade packages. Forget all that kind of stuff. Give him time. He'll bounce back. This is like basketball nirvana. And not just because there's some, you know, validation in being correct about a player. I mean, everybody who watches basketball, you get invested in guys and you have takes and you want to see those turn out correct, of course. But just... The beauty with which he's able to play, the grace with how he's handling defenses, I it's it's really fun to watch. And he has such a unique brand of basketball. And to see him ratchet up the level he's playing while not sacrificing any of the things that make him quintessentially Pascal, that's just, that's awesome. And then everybody plugging in next to him. Uh, much was made or much is made of the fact that the Raptors have so many guys averaging such a high number of points. So so you have Scotty at roughly 15 a game, OG and Gary both at roughly 18, and then Pascal and Fred both at roughly 22. And this game was quite emblematic of how they like to score. Yes, Pascal came out and opened up the game by just ripping <laughs> the Thunder to pieces, but also encapsulated in this is the fact that Pascal gets the ball, pushes really hard, and finds a guy who's doing the early work in transition in deep post position, that might not result in an assist. And like, yes, Pascal, that's great passing and great awareness to get the ball there. But the work is being done by the guy, either Scotty a lot of the time, OG a lot of the time, carving out position. But those guys end up getting guys to converge on them. And so the best part about that is Gary Trent Jr. and Fred Van Vliet get to trail these plays and walk into them as wide-open three-point shooters without even having to do anything, really. It's just the, the momentum, the inertia of the play bringing them up court is bringing them into shooting positions. And, you know, OG or Scotty doing the early work like that, not only do they score, not only is that a way to kind of diversify the offense, but it also leads to great, great attempts from beyond the arc. And then last game they played, Gary Trent Jr. took a lot of possessions in the first half that probably would have otherwise gone to Fred and this game he was a little bit more low-key and just you know five for 12 is not anything to write home about two of five from three is not crazy it's it's 40 percent I mean everybody likes that it's it's good but this game I think 
he was mostly kind of chilling out on offense, trying to be helpful, you know, as a spacer, trying to be in the right spots to assist plays and stuff like that. But the biggest impact he made in this game was in passing lanes defensively. Uh, This has been something that was really, really strong at the start of the season and I think has waned a little bit lately. But this was, you know, really a punctuation because he was really sharp in passing lanes and an inexperienced Thunder team coming in and trying to pass around the Raptors. You do have to worry about OG and they felt that because OG's a hawk in the lanes. But Gary Trent Jr. was the guy who was really reaping the benefits and jumping the passing lanes, getting into spots where he's creating looks in transition. He's taking away opportunities from the Thunder. It's because he was such a, he was like a passing lane savant tonight. He was really, really impressive. So, you know, a muted offensive game, but really probably his best defensive game in some time. So I thought that was awesome. And even the fact that like a muted offensive game for Gary Trent Jr. is 42% from the field, a couple threes and 16 points. That's awesome. That, that That is such a compliment to his game. Because you know he can go off. We Everybody knows he can go off for 30-plus. He did it for five games in a row for gorsh sakes. But it's it's a huge compliment to how much work he's put in that he just kind of is meandering into this type of positive output. That was, that was awesome. And not to mention OG. The same thing applies, although he hasn't had as many big scoring performances as Gary. But it's been understood that defensively and offensively, his floor... Um, has sat for quite a long time as a fair bit higher than Gary's. Like in a a so-so game uh, for OG Ananobi, you'll expect better things than a so-so game for Gary Trent Jr. So Gary providing like maybe a little bit more ceiling as a scorer and OG maybe a little bit more dependability. But in this game, they were both just so, they were so dependable. They were so helpful. OG, they started off the game getting him looks as they so often do, <laughs> you know, I I remarked upon this on Twitter, but it is kind of funny with playing Gordon Hayward and Duncan Robinson. They played the Heat like three times in the past, like three weeks. Duncan Robinson quite a few times. And now Josh Giddy. It, it seems like <laughs> because they like to give OG the post touches early and he often gets either cross-matched or just straight up mismatched onto one of the, I don't know, weak white wings uh it seems like sometimes the raptors open up a game like let's bully the white kid you know like there's kind of this unspoken rule on a basketball court at times especially high level that like the white guy in the court you have to put him through the ringer (laughs) defensively jj reddick has talked about this and the raptors i don't know if (laughs) they mean to do it but they've kind of been operating with that ethos and og ananobi has often been the hammer he's been the the bludgeoning tool um, that they've used <laughs> and he scored a basket to start the game on Giddy right to the bucket e- easy work but uh, most of the good things in this game I thought from him were off ball uh, just whether it was defensively really complicating some of the passes making the thunder push to looks um, as far as like closeouts and covering ground push to looks that are secondary rather than primary and and also just a- as a shooter off ball three made threes helped out a ton, and that made up the bulk of his points in this game. And then finally, the young gun, Scotty Barnes and Fred Van Vliet. So Fred, I've been so impressed by, because he was a guy for a large portion of the season who the Raptors just needed to play a lot of minutes. When he didn't play, they lost. When he did play, they they did okay. 
And now we're seeing he's able to slide back in some games for portions of the game into the secondary, you know, sometimes even like tertiary roles where he's playing second or third fiddle to one of OG, Scotty, Gary, or Pascal, and, and most often Pascal. Deservedly so, right? Like if you ask Fred, uh, are you upset you're off ball more than you were earlier on in the season? You'd probably say, do you see what Pascal is doing with the ball? Why the hell would I be on ball? Some of these possessions, right? And he he's so graceful in the way he works off ball. It, it really reminds you where he's come from. Of course, it's hard to to miss out on where he where he's come from. He's an undrafted all star, but it, the genesis of like his NBA career was as an off ball guard who just shot the hell out of it and played really strong defense. And for pockets of the game, he just slides right back in there and does that. And then he can just immediately jump out of that and start running pick and roll, get to mid-range jumpers, get a switch and put like a big on skates and stuff like that. So seeing him mix the future, the present and the past of his game every night, I think is just, um, it's really nice. And and Scotty Barnes, <laughs> free throws, man. He got to the line and he got to the rim and it wasn't quite as dominating as Pascal, but the Thunder, I think, were equally as perplexed with how to deal with the the question of how the hell do we guard this guy because he's such a funky mover and I don't think we have one guy who can stick him in single coverage, but they certainly didn't want to double Scotty Barnes because, you know, he's this rookie who's coming in and they're already doubling Fred on some of these possessions. They're doubling on Pascal in a lot of these possessions and they have to send extra help at OG Ananobi. So why would we double Scotty Barnes? And in that vacuum of like, okay, you take the ball. He he took nine shots. He scored 17 points, had four assists. Like he was super sharp in small doses. And also, as I talked about before, he's running out to get the hit ahead pass from Pascal. And this is a relatively new development since Scotty was pushing in transition so often at the start of the year, grabbing a lot of defensive rebounds, getting out on the break. When Pascal came back from injury, typically a lot of the looks were from Scotty to Pascal. And now we've seen that's been kind of flipped as Pascal has taken on a larger on-ball role. And Scotty, while he's still fantastic, his possessions have been a little bit of a casualty of just this incredible Pascal run. And I think he's doing really great work in the in-between stuff to make sure he's still getting possessions. And Pascal is recognizing that work. He clears out for him on isolations. He makes sure to give him the ball on post-entry passes. And he he makes the hit-ahead pass in transition. So I think it's graceful. Uh, the change in role and the change in usage that everybody's going through, it seems really graceful and natural right now. And <laughs> it's hard not to when the offensive process is so good, especially... Pascal, my God, he's just walking into every arena and breaking defenses. There's been plenty of coverage about it lately, especially on Raptors Republic, and which there should be. But the one day was like Pascal Day. Everything came out about Pascal, I think that was two days ago or maybe yesterday. And yeah, even today, I just put out like a, a video breakdown on the YouTube channel detailing how he's beating doubles and all that kind of stuff. So he deserves the love and everybody else is working off of him brilliantly, I would say. And then the bench bad boys. Uh, I think Chris Boucher, like with a fairly one note performance, but that's not a bad thing to be one note off the bench. If it's a good note, if it's the jaws, well, I guess that's two notes that don't it. 
People identify with that. It's very powerful. So let's say he's a two-note player right now, which is offensive rebounds. Well, let's let's group together just for the analogy. Offensive rebounds and cuts are grouped together, and then defense. And I think he's he's bringing it on both ends. The, uh, the effort is palpable. I sound like a broken record about Boucher, but this game wasn't so different from all the other games that he succeeded, especially when the three isn't going down. Like he's just a guy who's moving really well offensively and defensively. I I think for the first time in his career, um, playing heavy minutes. Well. Are the minutes heavy now? I, not really, but playing me a meaningful amount of minutes, he's like a, a big positive defensively. Um, that's that's huge for Chris Boucher. He's a positive defensively now. This was not the case. Not not in big minutes. This wasn't something that we saw happening. And Precious, I think, was a really fun game, even if it was not that successful, because he took quite a few possessions and tried to just strike out on his own as a creator. And the Thunder have a lot of strange lanky guys who are also trying to develop their handle and their shot creation akin to precious situa only they're not as strong as he is so i think he probably identified like you know we're up in this game this is my time to try some stuff out and he did it was largely unsuccessful but i liked watching him try it out so i wasn't too uh i wasn't that hung up on it i thought it was a, a fun little experiment and then banson i mean He's so quiet out there offensively. He's just trying not to muck things up. You see, like, every possession ends offensively basically with him under the basket. Like, 85 90% of them do. He's crashing the boards. He's trying to make, you know, he's trying to win some of the margins for the Raptors. And in this game, you're, like, not, not that big offensively. But defensively, the winning the margins is still very much part of what he's trying to do. And... I, th- I think um, the defense I was totally fine with. I thought he fit in well once again. And there's not a whole bunch to say about him, but Ken Birch chased down block. So that was nice to see. <laughs> but uh, yeah, man, the Raptors handle the team they're supposed to handle. That was the most enjoyable part about it for me. And they played some, some really nice basketball on the route to doing so. Pascal, for my money, uh, the Reggie Evans award winner, um, argue with your mom about it. I, th- I think he's really deserving. He put in a lot of work in, in that game, so that was awesome. Top quick action comment from Mikey. A long one, but it looks like it's going to be good. Quote, live from OKC. I'm a Wichita State guy. been watching Freddie since 2013. NBA pass for Toronto. Watched every game this year. My thoughts from in person. Scotty is the softest touch, and he is massive compared to everyone else except Dort. Pascal's spin when he uses it is unstoppable. Freddie, I can't say enough. Most active guy on the floor all night. But these guys need bench scoring, in my opinion. Benton looks like a good backup point guard. Honestly, O Canada played at the beginning and more cheers for that. About one third of the crowd was cheering for the Raptors. Can't wait to be able to see a game in Toronto. Wichita, Toronto fan out. End quote. I Man, I hope you enjoyed the hell out of the game. Good for you. I You got to see the team you love in person. That's... <laughs> That's kind of been a rarity for people these past however many years. I I certainly, when I was working the games and got to do media, it's such a breath of fresh air because I hadn't been to one in years at that point, right? So yeah, Mikey, I hope you enjoyed the hell out of it. And like, if you've been a, if you're a Wichita State fan, the Shockers from, you know, Clean Anthony Early to Ron Baker and Fred Van Vliet and those guys, how much fun has it been for you to watch uh, Fred's career? So 
I, I hope you enjoyed that game, man. That's a, that sounds like a perfect marriage of several intersecting uh, interests for you. So, hell yeah, Mikey. Thanks for writing in. Uh, listener, thanks for listening in. Whether you got into it in the morning or at night. Have a blessed day and goodbye. <laughs>